Community outings can often seem impossible to manage with an autistic child, but sometimes the key to success can be really quite simple. Today, we will chat about our experience at the Georgia Aquarium and why visiting a certified autism center can make all the difference in a successful outing. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. So, the aquarium. (laughs) I never know how to start these episodes. It's so awkward. And like, as an autistic person, I'm like, how do we do the chit chat? (laughs) Usually I give like a nod, like... Let's do it. Like, let's yes. do the that thing. The thing is, it's an audio podcast and people can't see the nod. <laughs> but you can. And so you know that, like, we're ready to start it off. Yes. So here we are. That's our intro because yeah. I don't know oh, how yeah. to do intros. Beautiful. <laughs> if you have Beautiful. any ideas, leave a comment, youtube.com slash autismwish. Let me know how to do an intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but today we're talking about our most recent visit to the Georgia Aquarium. I would highly recommend this space for parents. Honestly, people come from across the country to visit the Georgia Aquarium because from what I'm told, it's one of the bigger ones, the nicer ones in the country. And so a lot of people will travel to visit this one. So even if you're not in the state, this is definitely a place that you could do on a road trip if you're on the East Coast or if you're within that driving distance or a plane trip because Georgia, Florida area has a lot of vacation type of activities to do. So you can knock this one out then. We chose the Georgia Aquarium because it is actually certified as an autism center. It's a certified autism center. If you listen to our IRL episode with Dawn and Barclay, she's the autism travel agent. She did a great breakdown on what the importance of certification is versus just saying autism friendly. When something is a certified autism center, that means they basically have gone through certain procedures and processes to earn that certification. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, we're we're nice to people who are autistic. Like they actually have to meet certain requirements in order to get that status. So it's a big deal that they were able to be considered a certified autism center. And that to us was one of the major draws as to why we decided to use the aquarium as our first family outing. What were your thoughts of the aquarium? I love the aquarium because I've always been an aquarium person ever since I was little. I thought that it would be a really good idea for our girls because If you think of an aquarium just naturally, even for neurotypical people, it is a really soothing environment. Usually it's not lit very bright. Usually it's kind of dimmed down. And then because of the blue water, it kind of like casts nice like shadows and lights on the wall. So it's kind of like, you know, when you go on Amazon and you want to get that like cool water feature nightlight for your room. You basically have that throughout the entire aquarium. So it's already like a perfect setting, in my opinion, for something that would be kind of like a nice little sensory haven. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely like a check the box for like a peaceful light sensory uh, environment. I don't really think there were any real bright lights at all at the aquarium. I think it was relatively dimmer lights. And then you kind of had the the calming uh, impact of just kind of like the water into the different areas that they had kind of broken out the aquarium to. I definitely made a note of that because I was like, oh, cool, because I know like our girls like to stare at bright lights and sometimes our oldest kind of gets overwhelmed. If things are too bright, she's the one that we need to kind of keep a pair of sunglasses for because sometimes she'll kind of like hide her head under a blanket if it's too bright outside, for example. But we didn't have any of that in the aquarium. It was a 
very calm feeling throughout the entire thing. Mostly, I think it had to do with the lighting because it was just very peaceful. Another bonus that we did is we tried to get there extremely early in the day to try and miss some of the crowds that would be expected during like kind of the bulk uh, heat of the day. So yeah, I think that was definitely a helpful thing. So we got through the majority of the aquarium before anyone even decided to show up. So that was uh, great for us. The kids could be a little bit louder and it wasn't any impact on anyone. So yeah, I definitely thought that it was a uh, a good first major experience for them for animals go. <laughs> if you're planning on bringing your kid to some sort of museum, aquarium type of location, first of all, if you're nervous about taking your kid out, this is, I think, an ideal location to do it because they tend to be quieter. So if your kid is sensory averse, this is usually a quieter zone, so they don't have to worry about necessarily needing the earmuffs the whole time. We brought ours just in case, and they kind of needed it on and off, but for the most part, they didn't really need them that much. So a museum or aquarium location is probably pretty prime for that. Go as soon as they open. So for us, the aquarium was probably a little over an hour away from us, so we had to essentially commute there. So what we did is... We woke up with enough time to make sure that when we arrived there, the doors would just be opening. We purchased our tickets in advance. So by doing that, we were able to just scan in easily. And we just had everything planned and ready to go to make that as smooth as possible. We, of course, brought our wonderful wagon. That, to me, is really important for a community outing. If you don't have one, get one. We have a video on how to get one through insurance. Just check it out on our YouTube channel. We basically make sure that we have their sensory bag, their earmuffs, fidgets, chewies. And then we also have the handicap placard information. Uh, we have our doctor's note. We called in advance with the facility to let them know, hey, we're going to be bringing our children. They have a handicap placard. They have a wagon that's for a medical device. Because most theme parks and aquariums and museums ban wagons. And this one has bandwagons. So the, the Georgia Aquarium is no exception. They have bandwagons. However, they do make exceptions for medical necessity. So I was able to call in advance, make sure that they were okay with it. They did have to check to make sure that it fit within a certain boundary that they had. But the wonderful wagon, Lux Edition, which is the biggest one, did fit. It barely fit in that boundary, but it fit. So you would be good to go. So just making sure that you have all those ducks in a row before you go to make sure that you don't get rejected is what I would recommend. And then just making sure that you have things like backup iPads powered up, whatever it is that your kid is interested in, that special toy, that special blanket, whatever it may be that helps soothe them. Make sure you have those things on hand as well as their favorite snacks. Nine out of 10 for the staff that were easygoing and had no problems with the wagon. We did run into one person where it was going, what, for the dolphin exhibit? The dolphin show? Yes. So yeah. everyone was kind of parking their like little strollers off to the side. And he had kind of mentioned, like, you won't be able to bring the wagon in there. We kind of were showing him like the little plaque thing saying that it's like a medical necessity. He's like, I'm sorry, you got to park it to the side. But then thankfully, we found the one nice lady who's like, oh, no, just keep going up to the left. I think she was the manager. Well, as soon as as soon as she said that, bam, we we're going. And then the guy was trying to tell us like, oh, no, you have to park it to the side. And we just kept pushing and we were like, oh, I'm sorry. She said we could go. And we just kept yeah. going through. So, but overall, no, I, I think that the staff was very friendly and helpful and accommodating. It was, I mean, a good experience from our perspective. The one thing that helped us out is, and it might not work out for every situation, but we used the same logic we did with going to the movie theater where we went on a holiday. 
So for the movie theater, which uh, we recorded, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about going on Easter Sunday. And for this, we went on uh, the 4th of July because our brilliant logic is everyone is thinking about fireworks and they're not thinking about water. So therefore, <laughs> we went to the aquarium and we beat some of the crowd. That previous episode, we were talking about going on holidays. Like, it works. Like, right. if it's not a major holiday associated with a thing that you're doing, like, obviously, if you're going to fireworks on the 4th of July, that's going to be crowded. But if you pick the 4th of July to go somewhere where people aren't going to be going, like the aquarium, it's perfect because it's a lot quieter. Not as many people are there. If it's a, a travel holiday, it's the perfect time to go to these places, particularly if they're local to you. That was basically the thought behind that. I do recall with the interaction that we had there, one of the things that I kind of realized is when you're going to these places, these theme parks, these aquariums, museums, you will likely experience pushback even if you are actually in the right a lot of people are not trained very well on like special needs accommodations and they're not trained very well on accessibility even within their own parks and communities. So some people who work at these places aren't even aware of their own policies that you can pull up on their website. They're not aware that like, oh, you called earlier and talked to the manager and they said it was okay. What I would do is in those situations is have some sort of paper trail if you can. So if you sent an email to them and they said, yes, this will be acceptable, print that out and bring it with you. But also push back, like push back. If you are in the right, if you know and verified on the website that it says these things are acceptable, print that out, bring it with you just in case. Or if you don't bring it, tell them, hey, it's on your website. I'm not moving until you pull it up and review it. I want to talk to your manager. And more often than not, you will be able to get through because that is their policy. So whether or not they're ignorant on their own policy is their own problem. Your job is just basically to make sure you know that policy in advance and make sure that they do have that policy. If they don't, like call them, figure out what the policy is for special needs. Make sure you get that in writing if at all possible or get the name of the person that you talk to on the phone. And that way, when you go and you do experience some of this pushback like we did, we kind of be like, sorry, the manager said we can. We're going to ignore what you're saying. We're moving through. And that worked out. We were able to bring the wagon in. We were able to bring it into the dolphin show in the special handicap area where we could park it. We were able to stay with our kids. They had special um, seating for that. And we were able to watch the show. Now, the show was a whole other story, a whole other struggle. <laughs> you laugh because, you know, oh my gosh, the show was, was quite so a show. It was so funny. So we mentioned, what, like last week or whatever, that our kids had done swim lessons. But I think because they had done swim lessons, they think that they are expert swimmers. So our youngest, mind you, who was struggling with swimming, as soon as she saw the dolphins and like the trainers swimming with the dolphins, she wanted to go and get in the water with them. And I'm like, you were struggling at the little pool. I don't think you're ready for live animals and deep water and all that. But man, if we would have let her, she would have been all the way down there on the glass trying to climb up that thing and get in there with those dolphins. Yeah, she did not want to sit still. Yeah, she was a little squirmer and she was trying to get down to the water. I wasn't expecting that one. That kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I mean, it shows you as far as like the attraction to water. I mean, I was I was very surprised that she wanted to actually go in the water. But thankfully, we were able to tell her when you grow up, you can swim with the dolphins and you can be a trainer or whatever. And I think they were kind of okay after that. But um, 
yeah, that entire show, she was definitely squirmy. <laughs> well, it definitely took a lot more intervention than just words because, <laughs> like, I had to handle it. So, no, I was like hugging her, and yeah, yeah, it was a lot. So it was really interesting because, like, when we went in, we went in with the expectation that the older one would be the one with the problem because she's the one who tends to have the meltdowns. She's the one who tends to be very rigid and set in her ways. So we went in with the expectation of like, okay, let's make sure she's okay. Let's make sure she's situated. We had them in the wagon so that they wouldn't be like overloaded. But she immediately was like, oh, I want to sit with all the grownups. And so we were like, really? Okay. So then we let her sit with Matt in the front row. And I was surprised. She was she was having a blast. She was like clapping. She was cheering on the divers. Wasn't she like, go divers yeah, it, and things like that? It was adorable. Like she had her little headphones on. And then like when the audience would clap after a trick or whatever, she would be right there like clapping. Very emphatically. She'd be like, yes. Right. But, but like her little like clap, like very like small. She was just sitting in her own little seat and she was having a great time. And I would point things out to her as far as like where the dolphin was, where like the trainers were, different things that they were doing. And yeah, she was loving it. There was like one part where the dolphin like waves with its tail and she's like waving back at the little dolphin and like she's she's having a blast so it was it really caught us off guard because we we're like i thought you were going to be the the challenge not your little sister who's like quiet as a mouse but um yeah i guess uh they i don't know switched roles for a hot second there and uh, caught us off guard that's why we emphasize so much on the podcast that if you think your child is the type of child who is going to have a meltdown don't let that stop you from doing these community outings. If we had done that, we would have never brought her and we would have never known how positively she'd react to this. We were totally, fully bracing for having to deal with a meltdown. We wanted to do it regardless. We're like, okay, if she has a meltdown, we have an exit plan. Matt will take her out into the hall. We'll calm her down. So we had a strategy ready to go in case it would happen, but it didn't happen. And instead, she had a really, really good time. And that is why I find it so important to do these outings, regardless of what you think is going to happen, because it's not necessarily going to happen. The flip side of that is we thought the opposite with our youngest. We thought she was going to be totally chill. This is going to be so easy. She's going to love this. And instead, she had basically like a total mini meltdown. Honestly, I was really surprised because... She is so little, and I was surprised at how strong she was. I was with the wagon on the back because that was the little pathway where the wagon could park, and Matt was in the row in front of me, and she started really getting flustered. As soon as she saw the big tank with the water and she saw that the dolphins were swimming and the divers were in it, she became fixated on wanting to get into the water with the dolphins and the divers. I had never seen her act this way. She was like pulling away from me, crying, screaming, trying to climb over the seats in front of us. Like her goal was to climb over everybody on all the rows, make her way down to the tank and get in. And she was pulling and fighting really hard. I honestly think she was overtired at that point because it was close to nap time and they had to wake up early for the commute. So I think some of that played a role there. But I had to really work hard to kind of calm her down. And I basically did a lot of like deep pressure because she's very sensory seeking. I hugged her and squeezed her a lot and rocked her. And I soothed her as much as possible. I was like bouncing her on my leg. And by giving her all that deep pressure and movement, that really helped ultimately calm her down. But it took a little while. 
And I remember, Matt, you were starting to get nervous and you're like, do I need to get out? Do I need to go take her? Well, because, like, yeah, I didn't want her to like, I mean, start having like a full blown like meltdown where she's like screaming, throwing up more of a fight. Um, so I, I felt that we may need to intervene to try and get her into like a quiet, like peaceful sensory area where we could try and like work her back up to getting um, into a better state of mind. It was a struggle, but I think thankfully, eventually she was able to sit and watch without trying to like run away. So that was, uh, that was definitely good. But I think that was the only time that we had any major concerns during the aquarium. It was, it was pretty low key. They definitely like going like under the glass to seeing like the, the different fish and like sharks and uh, whale shark, like swimming above them and seeing like the stingrays and all that. So I, I definitely think that they had like a great exposure to seeing animals kind of in a, I was going to say natural environment, but I guess An like unnatural environment, unnatural <laughs> aquarium environment, yeah. but like kind of, but no, I, I definitely thought it was a good success. So now we can try SeaWorld because they have a bigger animal that they can swim with. They're not going to swim with it. Well, not that. <laughs> <laughs> but they can watch people. Actually, I'm not sure if they even do swimming with the killer whale. The one thing that I realized is that you and I kind of react very differently to that sort of like high stress situation. And I honestly think that that's kind of one of the strategies that I feel has worked best for me. Sometimes there is this urgency to want to just like nip it in the bud, take the kid, take them out because you're stressed about like judgment. Oh, I don't want to like interfere with people's experience of the show. But I feel that personally, I'm going to use this as a teaching opportunity for my child. I'm going to help work them through this process. I'm going to make sure that she can still enjoy as much of this show as she can. And I'm like determined to get her to a state where she could enjoy the show. That's one of those dynamics that can happen between couples and parents, too, is that sometimes we have different strategies on how we want to approach a meltdown or something like that. So that was just something that I noted, because I feel like if you're a listener and you're in a relationship raising this kid, you probably go through the same thing where you guys probably more than likely have two different ways of wanting to solve an issue. Matt and I do experience that. We're not like a perfect couple that think the same way magically. We do experience experience differences in opinion on how we want to do things. I think because I'm Latina, I tend to win. <laughs> just I was just going to say, I feel like it's a 90-10 where I'm right. And I just kind of go along with what you think. I don't think it's about right or wrong. I think it's just that I have a higher like tolerance threshold. So like I'm willing to put up with a lot more from our girls. And I think that's a gender difference. Dads tend to have a lower threshold than moms. Women tend to be more patient. That's just how we're built. That's something that I've learned. The experience at the aquarium actually went really well. One of the things that I noted with the whole certified autism center thing, I believe that Culture City was involved in that process. They're this really big autism charity. They go to like football events and all sorts of stuff. Like they're a huge organization. Look them up if you haven't heard of them because they do a lot of great stuff. They basically worked with the aquarium to have all these awesome sensory zones throughout the aquarium. So as we were going around, there'd be like quiet hallway areas that would have like the Culture City logo on it and like a bench. And it would say this is like a sensory spot. This is like an area that's meant to be quieter and calmer. And so people going through that area are intended to keep it down and respect the person who's there needing to kind of self-regulate. But the best part was that they actually had dedicated sensory rooms throughout the entire aquarium. You basically could just go and find these rooms on the map. And it's kind of just a small self-contained room with like sensory equipment, very minimal, but it's got enough 
on each door. There's like a pin code that you push to get into the room. They tell you to try to be there for no more than like 15 minutes or so to give other people an opportunity to go in. But honestly, when we went, there are no lines, like there weren't really people. So if we needed it, we could have easily just gone in there and just spent some time there to regulate our kids. So that was like an excellent feature that the aquarium had. They had like the little keypad thing. And I wasn't sure if you had to find like a staff member or if we had emailed them ahead of time to see. I don't know how it works as far as like, how do you get access to the room? Right next to the door where it had the passcode, it had some instructions written on it. And it basically said, hey, use this key code to get in here, please. Uh, For like respect of other people, try to stay in there no longer than 15 minutes. So the passcodes are right there next to the door. And it's just kind of based on an honor system. Okay, perfect. I I wasn't sure if you had to like find a like staff member. I was like, but that might not be a realistic. Like if you're in the middle of a meltdown, you found the sensory room, but you can't find a staff member. Well, I also saw that they are all strategically located right next to a help desk. Like they intentionally made it so that they're all like within like a quick distance of a help staff because they actually mentioned on their website like if you need help that there's help there if you need it that's something that i thought was really cool luckily our girls did so well that we didn't even need to use these rooms like i was amazed i thought for sure i was like remember we were like going around scoping them out I'm like right. where are the sensory rooms where are they and i just wanted to make sure that we knew and we ended up not even needing them yeah i definitely think the big victory though or that made us successful with this was the time of day that we were going because even though we didn't need the sensory rooms it was already relatively quiet with very little people actually in the aquarium a number of the exhibits that we went through there might have been like one or two other families that were within sight of us but otherwise it was pretty like calm already so i think if it had been like an extremely like busy day, a lot of noise and a lot of like just crazy people moving around everywhere, we might have actually had to use some of the sensory rooms. But it seemed like many of the hallways, like if we were getting kind of overwhelmed, we could have just turned down a little hallway and we would be the only ones in that little area. So because it was naturally relatively empty, the whole place was kind of like a sensory environment, more or less. It worked out well. Yeah, it actually worked out really well. It's definitely a place that I would be happy to bring them back to again. The one thing is it kind of meanders around. So if you do bring your wagon, for instance, it is totally fully handicap accessible. So you are able to bring the wagon throughout the entire facility, but you have to be able to identify where the elevators are. And then you've got to make sure that you're getting through all these like nooks and crannies. It's doable. It wasn't very difficult. I think maybe there's like one or two spots that we had to kind of make sure we were managing the wagon appropriately. But other than that, it was pretty smooth sailing. So if you wanted to bring the wagon, it is a wagon-friendly zone. There are some non-autism-related tips that I would make and recommend if you are going to the Georgia Aquarium. The biggest one is make sure that you are either well-fed beforehand or that you have snacks or something in the car that you can go back to because... What we found out is that the food there is astronomically high. Oh my gosh, it was hilarious though. (laughs) Like how much was it for like six wings or something? I think it was like six wings and like a little bit of fries and like a standard little like container that you would have like a hot dog in like a baseball game. I think like 16 or $17. And I was like, you can get that at like a sit down restaurant. Like you're at an aquarium. And then my favorite was they had like a few ribs or whatever and some fries in the same kind of general container. It's like 25 bucks. And I'm like, really? Is it like, is this in hot demand? Like, I mean, I guess if you're starving, I mean, people were buying it, so. But I was like, man, like, oof, like, yeah, I would try and find something a little bit cheaper. And then my favorite thing was like, 
the little like 50 cent, 75 cent bags that you get like the vending machine, those were five bucks. And I'm like, you can get like a family size chip bag at like the grocery store for that amount. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's yeah, it crazy. Was, yeah, it was. It was definitely expensive for food. So if you're able to bring snacks or have them in the car. They do not allow you to bring food into the facilities. So if you bring like lunch or anything like that, you will need to leave that in your car. But you can always just go to the car. They have like a garage, get your food and then come back in after you're done eating. The facility does allow you to bring snacks if you have young children. That's another tip to look into if you're going to any sort of museum or any sort of like aquarium like facility. Oftentimes in their rules, they will say that you're not allowed to bring in any sort of food, but you can ask them if there's an exception, either A, for young children, which this facility did have, or if they have an exception. Actually, I would insist that they make an exception for those with medical necessity, because to me, my children being autistic is no different in the sense of my children being like diabetic or something like they have a specific restricted diet. And I know that they want me to purchase things at their facility. However, my children would not eat that even if I could afford it. So if the option is my child has to starve, that is considered like a medical necessity. So if it came to that sort of thing, I would basically just go to my kid's pediatrician and have them write a letter basically saying due to their medical condition, they're restricted to certain foods. Please allow them to have this on them during blah, blah, blah. And then bring that again to the manager when you're getting your tickets and all that stuff or call in advance with that information as well. If you get pushback, just push back and keep going up the ladder. Talk to the manager, the manager's manager as a special needs family. And like your child absolutely deserves equal access and equal opportunities. I'm the type of mom that I'm like, I'm going to fight for that. Like, I don't care what they say. I'm going to fight for that because they have a right to experience life just like any other kid. Well said. So that's a couple of things that we've learned through this experience. For me personally, what I learned, what I gained through this experience is that I need to be more of a mama bear. I need to really like learn to get out of my comfort zone and like push back when necessary because in my nature, I'm actually quite timid. I'm sure nobody listening will believe that because like I run this podcast. I'm a big loud mouth. Like I obviously am very opinionated. So nobody would believe that I'm like this timid person. But honestly, that's part of my mask is like I push through the anxiety to get those thoughts out. But my nature internally is very like conflict avoidant. So it's hard for me to stand up for my kids when I go out there. I don't feel comfortable doing that. So if you don't feel comfortable, just know, like, I don't have any superpower. I'm pushing through the discomfort. I'm looking at, okay, what is it that this is going to result in for my child? And is that worth the level of discomfort that I'm going through in order to get that for my child? Balancing that out for me, it's almost always yes. And I just do it. So in, in a nutshell, we can basically sum up the uh, interaction we had with the one guy who didn't want us to take the wagon. You basically summed up that if you just keep pushing that wagon, chances are he's not going to get in front of you. So it's like a game of chicken. If you just keep going full force with that wagon, no one is going to stop you. Yeah, or I just keep going and then see whether or not he moves. So moral of the story is push hard and push fast and just And get the biggest wagon. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen Uh, to us. This is terrible advice. (laughs) 
Order like, the great. You, it worked. It worked. Can you tell I've downed like a giant thing of soda? This is what oh happens when I'm on caffeine. But it's true. But yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> but yeah, I would say like for us, one of the things that I like really, really appreciated as well was learning just how well our oldest coped with this. Like, again, we went in with a mindset that this was going to be a struggle. And we pushed through despite of that. So like we knew this is probably going to be hard for her. This is probably going to be a challenge. And we're like, you know what? We're going to do this anyway. We did bring Matt's mom as like backup because we're like, okay, there's going to be three to two ratio. Hopefully we won't lose them. They won't elope. Like we could kind of herd them in. So we thought that that would be supportive. So that's another thing you can do is if you're going to go and do these things, try to get another extra support person. That way, if like you have to use the restroom, then your significant other, whoever is with the kid, is not alone and outnumbered or, like, isn't alone and overstressed. If you have that extra support person, it gives you a little bit of that flexibility. So that was something that we planned for ahead of time as well and honestly worked out pretty well, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's all a numbers game at this point, just making sure you got that upper hand. That pretty much wraps up that whole experience. I would say if you feel... Like, you are not capable of going to, like, an outing. You're not capable of doing these things with your kids. Like, try it anyway. You never know. Give it a go, and it might work out well. And if it doesn't, give it a little break. Try again in the future. You just really never know. With that said, we're going to wrap up this episode. But I just want to give you all another reminder because we're really excited about this. We just launched a beta version of our Embracing Autism community. This is basically a community that we are hosting on Gilded. Gilded is basically an app, and it's also a website that you can use totally free on there to download that app. But what we are asking is that you help us transform more of these families' lives and these kiddos' lives through our Autism Wish gifting programs. What we are doing is we're offering this membership for as little as $5 a month. Like that is honestly less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Those things are like twice the price. So if you could sacrifice like half a cup of Starbucks for a month, this will give you access to this awesome exclusive community that we're building together. It's currently in beta, which means we want your input. We want to know what do you guys want from this? We are going to adjust accordingly. We're offering you guys a safe space to talk to other parents. We have voice chat rooms. We have text chat rooms. We have a book club that's going to start on there. We have exclusive behind-the-scenes type of podcast content. We have Matt's dad's corner. Please, mothers, please, (laughs) if you have a husband or a Uh, boyfriend, get him involved because Matt is a lonely dad uh, right now and he needs some guy friends. I'm posting my own memes in there. Yeah, he's going to start talking to himself like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, and we need to help him out. So please consider joining our membership. You can go to our website at autismwish.org and click on Become a Member. And right now, if you sign up, you'll get seven days free trial. But yeah, we're really, really excited about this. We're hoping that this will be another way for us to just give back to the community and give you guys more resources and ability to connect with each other There's a ton of you. There's almost 80,000 of you listening to this podcast, and we want to connect you guys with each other so that we can keep these conversations going and help each other out. With that said, I want to ask you guys, would you bring your kid to a certified autism center like the Georgia Aquarium? Is this something that you would do? Or do you feel like there's still something holding you back? Are there any challenges that your family struggles with when it comes to community outings? Is there anything preventing you from these sorts of experiences Let us know in the comments on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Autism Wish, or our Facebook at Autism Wish. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear your thoughts. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. 
All right. Well, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.